Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Talking Some Sense. Welcome to episode one of season three. Already our third season of this podcast. Wow, the time flies. Today I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Longlock. We can't wait to get started. What's up? Nice to be back. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait to get started. We haven't done excited, this to talk, excited to talk about some sense. Well, yeah, talking some sense, all right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Today we got some uh, new info for you guys. Every season we try to change it up a little bit. This season we've got some new segments and all that. And uh, let's get started. Uh, so we've got our sense news and weekly report, our prospect analysis, a, ca- a new cap-friendly segment, and we're going to be doing a weekly player review. As Sounds always, good. you can find me on Twitter at Jacob LeRevere. Alex at AlexLongwell15, and you can find our podcast account at SomeSense. Once again, these will be in the description of this episode if you cannot spell phonetically. But yeah, let's get underway. Let's go. What a busy, busy season for the Senators so far. Uh, a few trades already, uh, a, few, a few transactions, I mean, already up to the uh, uh, fidgeting with the taxi squad and all that. But we also have a trade to talk about, right? Yeah, what a that kind of came out, came out of nowhere, to be honest with you. Yeah, honestly, it came out of nowhere. The Ottawa Senators traded Cedric Paquette and Alex Galchenik to the Carolina Hurricanes. And in return, the God, the Lord, the speedy winger Ryan Dezingle's coming back to town, baby. Let's Love go. it. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, think, uh, I feel like you're more excited about this trade than I am. I mean, I'm still, I still like the trade, but I feel like I, if you follow Jacob on Twitter, you've probably seen. I don't think he slept at all that night. I think he was just jumping up the walls and super fired up. I was super fired up. With, with the way I was tweeting, you could swear we, we just traded for Connor McDavid or something. My God. <laughs> Seriously, though. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I, I personally think it's a good move by Pierre Dorian. Um, <laughs> As much as as much as I you know I, I still question if Alex Galchenyuk could have helped a lot in this lineup if he got more of a chance. I mean, clearly he was not getting his chances, so um, moving him out isn't that big of a deal. And now he and then he actually got moved from Carolina to Toronto, um, so clearly Carolina didn't want him either. So, uh, um, and as like you know C- C- Cedric Paquette, um, he was brought in to bring like a veteran presence, some physicality and stuff like that, and he did not do that in Ottawa. Uh, I think he. Uh, he is just as disappointed with himself uh, as all the Sens fans are in Pierre Dorian. I think I think he thought he was going to come in and make a difference, but um, he just seemed he just couldn't seem to get his legs or anything like that. And I don't know if he's seen the clip, but his first game in Tampa Bay, he was already better. Sorry, first game in Carolina, he was already better and throwing more hits and causing some stirs and some ruckus, um, which is what he was supposed to do in Ottawa. Um, but clearly, something didn't go right with Ottawa. So. Um, I, do, do wish Paquette some the, the best of luck in Carolina. I do hope he finds success there because I do like I'm a big fan of his style of play and I was super jacked up about when we got him. But clearly things him and DJ Smith or whatever just didn't fit. So um, now we get Ryan Dezingle who adds some speed, um, much needed speed in that lineup. Um, again, more veteran presence um, since he has been on this team before and knows how it works and kind of you know been to that was part of that playoff run team. Um, He's probably he instantly becomes a leader on the squad, and he can produce some offense. He's, I don't think we'll see the Ryan Dezingle of old, um, potting like 25, 30 goals a season, but he will pot he will pot in a couple of goals that's for sure. Um, and his speed's gonna be greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated on that on that Senators team. Yeah, exactly. Um, just like Alex, just like Alex said, uh, Ryan Dezingle is a great speedy forward who can definitely help us in the uh, short term and possibly long term. You never know. Here's my take on the trade. Alex Galchenik, when we signed him, I was confused at first. I could, under, I was like, where is he playing our lineup? Is he a, is he a, he's a speedy top six winger, ideally. But the thing is, when we signed him, we already seemed to have our team already. We had Derek Stefan. We had a lot of guys. I don't, we didn't have Derek Stefan at that point. We had someone, I don't think we signed at that point. But yeah, we had a, we, it seemed to me that our team was pretty set. Then we decided to get Alex Galchenik. Alex Galchenik was basically just an extra forward who we signed to, uh, in my opinion, I think he was sort of a guy to help ease Stutzla into the NHL. I don't think the plan was to get Stutzla to play every game right away. I think the plan was have him and Alex Galchenik alternate a little bit 
but Timmy was clearly ready to jump in right away, and he has blown everybody away so far. He's not Connor McDavid by any means, but Timmy Stutzla is here to stay, and that's what pushed Alex Gatchenlik out of the lineup, in my opinion. Where else would he have played in the lineup? Would, would you put him on the third line, fourth line? I'm not quite sure. So that he wasn't he he didn't have his role anymore, so you had to move on from him. And Cedric Pocket, like Alex said, he's a great player if in the right role. In Carolina, he's in the right role. In Tampa Bay, he was in the right role. A fourth line forward who can contribute hits and possibly penalty kill here and there. But not a full-time PKer like he was in Ottawa. He's not the guy to be relied on. He's a guy, he's a complimentary guy you add in here and there. Cedric Pocket is a grinder. He can throw the body. He can pass a little bit. He can play the body. He plays rough, but he's not a guy you want playing more than 10 minutes a night. And I'm pretty sure he was playing more than that in in um in Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, the good thing with the Cedric Pocket um is that the the way we got him, we didn't uh we didn't acquire, we didn't trade uh a lot to, for him. Um we traded, I guess we got him and Colburn for uh, who was it? Anders Nielsen and Marion Galbrick, two players that probably will never play uh, again, unfortunately, due to injuries. Um, so it's not like we traded or gave up anything. And we actually got a second round pick in return for him too. So um, it, it's not necessarily a, a, an awful trade by Dorian, uh, the pocket trade, um, because we didn't give up much for him. Um, but it also, the trade also didn't work out the way that everybody thought it would, including Paquette, like I mentioned earlier. So um, it's nice to see him move on and kind of Dorian kind of realizing that, you know, we needed to do something because clearly the way this team started, something had to be done. Um, and another thing with this trade, before we move on real quick, I I don't know if it was more of a trade, like I don't know if it was a, too much of a desperation trade. I think it was more of a trade um, on Dorian's thing saying, listen, guys, you need to wake up. Like no one's like, everybody's expendable on this team. Um, it was also kind of a quick wake up call. And um, the way like, he traded two players for one, which is always, I mean, you can never argue with that, which also frees up a roster spot for um, everybody thought it was going to be Logan Brown, Logan Brown. I mean, we'll get to him later, but clearly he has not earned his spot on the Sanders quite yet, but um yeah, so I, I, I think the trade is, is fine. I do hate that we don't see the single till March 1st, kind of. I mean, it's not the end of the world, I guess, but I don't know. I wish, I, I get it, quarantine and stuff like that. Everybody needs to be safe and, you know, stay healthy and whatnot, but it's just a, a shame we don't get to see him till March 1st. Yeah, exactly. And before we do move on from this Ryan Zingle trade, I have a question. Where do you think Ryan Zingle plays in this lineup? I'll add my thoughts afterwards, but I want to hear your thoughts first. It's tough. I honestly would probably put Ryan Dezingle on a line with Tim Stutzla. Um, I, I don't know. I think I, my ideal line would probably be, um, you know, you have Kachuk, uh, Norris, um, and either and probably Dadanov on the first line. Because I do think uh, Norris and Kachuk already have that built-in chemistry because they're already best friends. And Dadanov, well, he's starting to get going. Um, the second line, I would probably put Dezingle. Uh, honestly, I would probably try and put maybe Nick Paul at center and Stutzla on the wing as well, um, just to see how that would work. I feel like like Stutzla has a creativity to play on the wing. Um, I don't know if he's ready for a full-time like center spot yet. He will be, but not as of right now. And with the single speed, Stutzla's creativity and Nick Paul's big body, Nick Paul makes room for Stutzla to make his creativity with his big body. The single gets to the net with his speed. Or Nick Paul stands in front of the net with Stutzla's creativity and single speed. So Either or, I, I'm interested. To, I'm interested to see how that lineup would work. I don't know if that's the end-all, be-all lineup. Like, there's with the single speed and Stutzla's creativity, you could easily put them anywhere. But I do want to see um, how a speedy winger, a big power forward, and a skilled winger would do on one line. Um, but I also wouldn't be afraid to move the single up to the first line either, and kind of you know rotate him and Kachuk a little bit. That's fair. I forgot, I forgot to unmute my, my mic there. So now that my mic is unmuted, I'm going to add in that. That's very interesting. I didn't even think of Nick Paul at center, but that's very interesting. Uh, I'm going to go a little different, though. First line for me would be Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Dadanov. Yes, that I would keep. I think that's an interesting lineup. Brady Kachuk is the power forward of that line. He can carry the offense. Josh Norris is a guy who shoots a lot, but it's obvious that I think it's a little obvious that DJ Smith is kind of trying to roll him into more of a playmaker 
passer type type of guy first, pass first instead of sh- shoot first. Kind of like a guy who would get what forty or fifty assists to uh, uh, twenty to twenty five goals. Not saying he's ever going to get that, but I think that's the player that DJ Smith is trying to mold. And it makes it makes sense with the like if they say something like Kachuk and Dadon offline. Because um, Dadanov is going to be that goal scorer, um, he's, and Kachuk is going to be the guy that gets in front of the net. So if you have an elite passer that can get the puck to either Dadanov so he can shoot with Kachuk in front of the net, like that line's going to generate some offense. Um, yeah, exactly. So I and I so I do think that's probably a, a more of a role for Norris is to be that, yeah. that top line play. <sighs> Calling him a top line center kind of bothers me because I don't think he's ready for top line a uh, top line center yet. But obviously on this team, I think you know why not <laughs> but in the future i think he's probably more of a second liner maybe yeah. maybe a very very good third liner that could you know that will be on the power play who so. paul no josh norris oh yeah interesting yeah that's fair yeah like like i, I on this team i think he's a first line center just because i think the skill is there but i think you know if we're going to compete um yeah, say they told that's us fair. i don't think he should be there yeah, I think josh norris is ideally second line center i do agree yeah. with that, i do think stutzler right should be i do think stutzler should be the number one center in the future 100%. um but we'll see but how that right yeah we'll see how that works yeah. yeah as of right now my lines would be kachuk norris dadanov and the second line would be i would actually do the zingle stutzla and batherson and i'll explain why so Bathurston and Stewart's will have formed a great chemistry so far. I don't want to see them split up in the near future, possibly in the long-term future either. I think they're that dynamic duo the Senators need. Sure, Brady Kachuk's the guy, but have him play more of a Gabriel Lannistog type role, be the leader of the team, and have Timmy Stutzla and uh, and uh, Bathurston carry the offense more. You know what I mean there? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think that's probably the way it's going to end up because yeah. I do think those two together are going to be able to carry the offense. But uh, I'm just—it's just a little biased. I mean, I like, I like the big players, like the big, big physical players. So I like to see Nick Paul and see what he can do there. That's but fair. Um, yeah, that's fair. Bowser and Stutzla definitely should stay together yeah. for as long as I can because they're forming some great plays. But let me go behind who plays center. All three of these guys have played center at some point in their pro careers. Sure, we drafted Drake Patterson to be center, but he has played better at the wing, so I think he stays there at right wing. Ryan Nzingle, we all know he is ideally a winger. We know that, right? But I think that if you alternate Timmy and Nzingle from left wing to center every couple of games, you can get Timmy slowly implemented as center. And you can also get that speedy winger they need to score goals in drying the zingle, but he can also take face-offs because he's he's played face that center before. Obviously, the zingle is ideally a center. I mean, I mean an ideally a winger, but I don't think it'd be a bad idea to have him centering a line of Stutzla and Batherson. Interesting take. I mean, I, I like I said, I see I see the zingle more as a winger, but yeah, I mean he he, he can play center, and I'm sure. I'm sure, like, who knows? Maybe they might put him there. I have no idea what DJ Smith's plans are for him. But, um, yeah, I mean, either way, he's going to bring some speed and some offense, So, which is yeah. what that, that top line needs. Can't be Stutzla, Batherson, and Kachuk carrying that, and Dadanoff carrying that offensive load. They kind of got to split it up between a couple lines. So, Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. But, yeah, let's go on from that. Uh, let's talk about some taxi squad transactions. So this past week, we've seen a little bit of a coaching carousel given that Matt Murray has been sort of injured to pass a little bit. Of course, he's close to return. He's supposed to start tonight, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we're recording this at, at 6.30 on uh, Wednesday the 17th. So uh, by the time this uploads, the game will already have been done. But as of uh, before we're recording this, Matt Murray has not played yet. I'm pretty sure he's playing tonight, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, DJ Smith says uh, he'll play one of the next two games. So whether that's tonight or tomorrow, yeah. I don't know. But um, either way, he's definitely playing Definitely playing soon. So Yeah. But basically, the point is, the third goalie being the backup goalie in his place, because normally our tandem is Murray and Hogberg, right? But Hogberg has, has had to play some starting minutes because Murray's injured. So that third guy normally would be uh, – Joey Accord, but given that the AHL season started and you want him to play as many games as possible, we flipped Gustafson and Decord. You have Gustafson in the NHL and Decord in the AHL. I have Decord play some games. But now that Murray's coming back, I think they flip flopped again. Joey Decord is in the NHL and Gustafson is in the AHL. And this means 
I'm not quite sure what's going to happen to Hodberg. Hodberg hasn't been too great to start the year. Sure, he's been a little better the past couple of games, but is it going to keep going? See, I think that's why you see the court up now. Um, I think I they brought him up because Hodberg was struggling. I don't think they had any intent. I think they had the full intention to make him the starting goalie in Belleville. But with Hogberg struggling the way he was, they need and then he's be the starter. They like, man, he's gonna he he. There's a legitimate plant chance he might play, so why not get him to NHL reps? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you'll see him get swapped um, again in a little bit here and get sent back down to the AHL and have Gustafson as the taxi squad goalie. Um, maybe 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 even I, I'm not sure what they do, but maybe even go out and sign another third 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 goalie to just play taxi squad. I'm not sure because they obviously want Kevin Mandelis playing. They can't only want Gustafson playing. They want Joey Decor playing. And you can obviously can only have a certain amount, but with no ECHL where Mandelis likely would have started with Brampton, um, they kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of causing a little bit of, uh, of a goaltending, I guess, what plug, I guess you could say. Um, but as for Hogberg, I think he will remain the backup for a little bit. Um, he, he started off really rough. No question about that. So did Murray, though, to be fair. Both of them had their, their – they were both struggling, and they both seemed to have, have found their game. Um, Hogberg wasn't the greatest in that game against Toronto, but he did make some big, big saves when they needed it, and I've been saying this all along. So, like, Ottawa's goalies don't have to be perfect. They just need to make the saves when they need the saves. Um, Hogberg was awful for the longest time. He was sliding out, sliding out of his net, didn't, was not tracking the puck well, um, but he seemed to have found his confidence again. So I do think they – they keep him there for a little bit longer. I don't know what his future is past this season. Uh, I think the court is knocking on the door. Um, I don't know if I should say this on the podcast. So if I decide it's not, then edit it out, please. But um, I do. There is a. Uh, I do have a source um, that says they, the Senators are super high on Jordan Court, and they do see him as a future starter. Um, he was the goaltending coach. Uh, I can't even say that. No, I can't say that. So. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just leave it with that. The uh, Joey Decord, Joey Decord, is looked at highly regarded by the Senators organization um, by a very reliable source who has been within the organization. So um, I I don't know if Hogberg stays past this season. I I think they expose him to, to Seattle and hope hopefully crossing their fingers that Seattle take him. Um, but I do think they might try and move him at the deadline. Um, and give Decord the backup role for the rest of the season to at least get some reps. But with Murray under contract for three or four years, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they stick with Hogberg and just give Decord playing time. I'm not sure. That's bombshells right there. Alex dropping some bombshells. Decord's the goalie of the future. Let's go. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I'm really, really high on Gustafson, but I could see why Decord is the guy they're focused on. Right now, he's had the best success out of all of our goalie, all of our goalie prospects so far, and Decord has had the, the best success. So, yeah, I don't see why not. It's but, tough because yeah. the Sens also have Matt Sogard, who I think I think is is probably the highest on my on my uh, on my yeah, goaltending list. I think he's probably the highest prospect on my goaltending list for the Sanders. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do down the line. Yeah, I like that. Let's move on from that, though. Um, basically, next is a little bit of an injury update. So Eric Brandstrom has been um, injured for past little bit, like I'd say a week or so, but he is coming back tonight, according to DJ Smith. We're going to see him against Toronto tonight and see if he plays well. Please make sure I don't regret getting him in, well, in, um, in fantasy hockey. That's all I hope for. Don't make me regret him. I think we're starting to see what Eric Branstrom is made of. So I don't think you'll regret him. I don't think you'll regret. Um, I do know there's a couple of fans who, I mean, obviously it's, he's part of the Mark Stone trade and that every time I bring that, that trade, um, that trades, that, that, that trades all, I'm saying probably the only trade that really stinks for me is from the past. I know you probably think differently, but that Stone trade is the only one that I wish we could have back. Uh, but Branstrom is definitely showing why he was the top rated defense uh, prospect and He's finally coming to his own. The longest time he was so small and was just looked so scared to get hit. Now, obviously, he was not because his injury was because he got hit. So um, he is a capable puck moving defenseman that I think Ottawa desperately needs. With Shabbat, um, Zub, and Branstrom, the puck like the centers can get the puck out of their net. Before they weren't, um, 
before when they had, you know, Colburn and, and all those guys in, in there, they, they had no puck movers besides Shabbat. So now that, so Brad Branstrom in there is huge. Yeah. I think that, yeah. Brent, when I think of Eric Branstrom, all I can think of is. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. If he, 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 he I know that he's the next Eric Carlson, but he has Eric Carlson ask features. Um, it's 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 really a treat to watch them, and I I'm sure Sense fans will get lucky to uh, you know they'll realize how lucky they are actually um, that that we actually were able to get them from Vegas because I'm sure they did not want to power them, but here we are. So I I have high hopes for Eric Branstrom, and I think him and Shabbat are going to form. I actually think he might be a better defenseman than Thomas Shabbat in the future. That's dropping some Alex dropping some more bombshells today. Drop the mic. First episode back, I'm feeling good, you know. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that high on Branstrom. Like when I think of Eric Branstrom, I think he is the next coming of Eric Carlson. My, maybe not necessarily as good, but he has that similar style. Eric Branstrom plays defense by playing offense. He does not let you get the puck. He gets the puck and shoots it and passes it. He doesn't let you get the puck. He does the work. That's how he plays defense. And I like that style. It's interesting. As long as you have the right partner for him, man, it's great. And this is, I'm going to say this right here. I think the Otter Senators decor next year is going to be Thomas Shabbat with Artem Zub and then Jake Sanderson with Eric Branstrom. That's right. I said it. Eric Branstrom is going to play on his offside next year with Sanderson. That's my prediction. I cannot wait to see it happen. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful piece of heart yeah the decor next year is gonna be interesting that's for sure there's so many like i just don't know where half this decor right now fits in like i as much as i like will Landon, i'm rooting for the guy i actually don't think he 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 survives after his two-year contract with auto unfortunately i think he's gonna go to free agency i think you'll see brands from step up um obviously jake sanderson's right there i think he'll be in the nhl next year no question about that um the art and zoom is an interesting question mark i want the sense to sign him. The question is, is Artem Zub going to want to stay with the sense? That is the question. He's only signed for a one-year deal. Um, and he he's come into the league trying on one-year deal, trying to prove himself, and clearly he has. So, personally, I like to see the sense lock him up for at least three to four years. Um, maybe not like six, seven, eight, because that's, that's a bit of a commitment, but three to four, I think, and have him either with play with Brandstrom and have Sanderson play with Shabbat or vice versa. I agree. Those would be the, that'd be the top four, in my opinion, Shabbat, Sanderson, Branstrom, Zub. And then maybe bottom, bottom, the bottom two would be obviously get Branson. Um, and I guess we'll end in maybe next season. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think JBD makes the jump, but we'll see. That's quite the, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice take there. I forgot that Zub only signed a one-year contract. I'd like to see the Senators and come up to a two to three-year bridge deal because as much as I love Zub right now, I don't want him to be the next, the next Nikita Zaitsev. I don't want him to have a super great rookie year and then shit the bed. Don't get me wrong. Eric, uh, I mean, Nick, Nikita Zaitsev has played pretty decent this year, but he's not necessarily, not even close to being what he was in his rookie year. I don't think that Artem Zub is going to be a super flashy all-star 60-point defenseman. I think that Artem Zub is going to be what that Dylan DeMello was supposed to be for Thomas Shabbat, what Mark Mathot was. It's interesting you said that because I actually had to text my friend the other day. I was like, Zub is giving off some serious Mark Mathot vibes. Literally, I've tweeted it literally so much. I've even written art, an article about it with the new way with new way or sense. I, 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 I wrote about why is not why is Zub not playing with uh Chabot yet it's got to happen sooner think, or later I agree I think I, th- I think the reason why is because it, it it take it took Zub a little bit longer to get used to the North American ice and Shabbat the way Shabbat plays is super quick um and flashy where I think Zub will get there eventually but um I think he just needs a little bit more time to get his feet under like his legs under him and get used to North, North American ice but um Zub definitely gives me some Mark Mathop vibes um, Zaitsev, I forgot about Zaitsev. Zaitsev will be on that roster next year. I think Pierre Doran's a big fan of his. Um, obviously, with this contract, it's pretty immovable too. So I don't think um, I don't think it's it's going to be hard to move him out. But I don't hate Zaitsev either. I think Zaitsev is a decent uh, de- a decent defenseman. But first contract, that's where the, that that's where the issue lies. See, the thing with Zaitsev is, I just forget his contract. Just forget his contract right now. Is he good for your team in a certain role? Yes. 
in my opinion, right now, he's overperforming right now. He's playing great so far, but I don't think that's sustainable. I think Nikita Zaitsev is ideally a third-pairing guy who can move up and down in case of injury. That's it. He's playing more right now out of necessity, but I think if he stays in Ottawa long-term, he's a third-pair guy. And But now we talk about his contract. $4.5 million for the next couple of years. I think it's two to three years after this. I forget. But it's not a nice contract. It really isn't. But at the same time, who do we have to pay next year? Brady Kachuk. Who else do we have to pay? Not many other people. So I think Nikita Zaitsev's contract is not as big of a problem as many people think it is. Sure, it's he has, he has four point five for the next three after this one. Yeah, it's not too bad. So he would be he'd be thirty he'd be 30, 32 when his contract's up. Yeah. It's not a good contract at all. It's a bad contract. That's not what I'm saying. But it's not unbearably shitty for the senators. We're in a good place. The- right now the only part that's difficult is that it's a no movement clause and a no trade clause all throughout those so it's gonna be it's gonna be up to the side step which i think eventually he I think will you waive. Get that though. once you get traded because when, when he was traded from toronto auto he waived it didn't he no he didn't have one when that happened no he did no i'm looking at cap friendly right now what? and it's showing it's, yeah, it's, showing, it's showing that they have it so okay um, yeah Whatever. So, i don't I, think I, yeah i think that um i think zaitsev is good for now not good for the future. I think he's he's going to stick around till probably the end of his contract. But by the end of his contract, that's when we're going to start paying the other guys. And that's not a problem. Jake Sanderson hasn't signed yet. We'll say Jake Sanderson signs this summer. We'll say April, he signs in April after our season's over. Yeah, we'll say he signs in April. Three years later, Zaitsev's not there anymore. You can use Zaitsev's money to pay Sanderson. You also have Clevin and JVD and Lassie Thompson. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't think all those prospects are going to stay with the Senators. I think, honestly, as much as I love all those prospects, I think some of those guys will be moved out no, I, eventually to fill other holes in the team. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree. It's just right now, that's just what we have in the, in the pipeline. And obviously, we can't predict the future. So that's just the guys we have right now. But I do think I'll get, we'll, we'll touch more on that in a little bit. I think we should move on to the next category. But yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think that um, I think that it's great that we have all these prospects, but don't think they're all going to stay here. Things are going to happen. We're going to trade some away to fill up some other holes. That's the beauty of our prospect pool. We've got such a deep pool that we can we can afford to do that. Not right now. Trading a prospect for a superstar right now is out of the question. Not a good idea. But in the future, if we have those holes that need to be filled, go ahead. And with that being said, let's move on to our next segment. This weekly record, Senators, uh, this weekly record of the Senators is pretty interesting so far. At the time of recording, we've only played one game, and it was the famous 5-1 to one against Toronto. It was 5-1. to one. It is 6-5. to five. What, what a game. game. <laughs> <laughs> soda. You can't think under a roof, but... <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that was a wicked game, and... Uh, we talked a little bit about on the what the Queen City podcast with with uh, with, with the guys. Is that what it's called? The Queen Queen City. Yeah, Queen City yeah, podcast. Yeah, a little, little bit of a plug there for them, but um, which I talked a little bit about that on there. Um, it was a fantastic game. I mean, did did not start off fantastic. Um, I thought it was like, oh gosh, here we go. I thought it was be another eight one nine one. I thought, and I, and I started Hogberg in my fantasy team that night too, and I was like, oh boy, I should not. Because in my fantasy team, we need in my fantasy league, we need a minimum of, of three starts for goalies, or else you lose you six goal, Hogberg? or or else you lose six goalie categories. You have yeah, Hogberg. I, I'm going to explain that in a second. I I I needed to because I had Blackwood who was out with COVID. I had Kakinen who was out with COVID, and then I had John Gibson who barely ever plays because Anaheim always games always got delayed, and everybody else. There's 20 teams in the league with four goalies each. So there was not a lot of options for goal. Oh, like the Hogberg. goalie team. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Sure. A 20 team league with with three goalies each on each team. So there was like not much. There's some slim pickings there, but um, Hog- he did get me two wins. So I can't, 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 can't complain. But now, now that Blackboard and Kakinen and all them are back, Hogberg, I, I just traded him today. So see you later. But um, I still can't believe you picked up Hogberg. Sure, he's played decent the last couple of games, but Hogberg. I needed starts. I needed my three starts, or else you lose six six categories if you don't get your three starts. That's fair. Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. Same. That's D3, fair. But um, 
where was I? Oh yeah, it was a great game. Um, like, like I said, my girlfriend went to bed and she literally looked at me and said, your team sucks. There was 5-1 and she woke up around 11.30ish a little bit to go to the washroom and I was like, guess what? My team won. It's fantastic. Fantastic. I'm, st- I'm still kind of still riding the high, but it also makes me super nervous for tonight. Yeah, that, that was an insane game. Last night when I last last game when I was watching, I actually decided I was gonna join the Toronto Maple Leafs Discord just to see how they were talking. I joined and I was a Sens fan, but I was being peaceful. I felt I was being peaceful. I didn't see anything taunting. I made a couple jokes here and there. Don't get me wrong, I did throw in some couple jokes, but I was peaceful. My God, what an insane atmosphere! I love that fan base. It's a great, great atmosphere. I prefer the Senate. My Senators are my team. Don't get me wrong. I love the Senators. I will never cheer for a Crown Maple Leafs. But what a Discord. I was about to disconnect the call. What a Discord server to be part of. The Toronto Maple Leafs Discord server is one entertaining shit show, if you ask me. Oh, I can believe it. Those guys, I'm sure they were saying trade tra- away half the team or fire the coach already. I'm sure they were already going off. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, I mean, anyways, we'll move on. We'll 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 move on. That that was a fantastic game. Our weekly record is one and zero. We are now on a two game win streak. Do you think we win tonight? It's a tough one. It's a, it's a tough one. I I a part of me thinks Toronto's going to come out storming, but I also think Ottawa is going to come out being like it wasn't just a fluke. So I don't know. Um, I feel like Ottawa learned a lot in that game um, and how to play Toronto because Toronto was just you know Toronto's speed. Speed and skill is what they have. Ottawa is more of a physical team, and they need to shut them down. That's how that's how they're going to win. It's just sh- shut them down. Do not let Matthew score. Uh, do not let Joe Thornton get an assist. Do not let Marner get in the open slot. It's going to be a tough job, but um, Sanders seem to have some weird success against the Leafs all the time for some odd reason, no matter how good or bad they are. So it could, could go either way. I do think the Leafs wouldn't take this one, unfortunately. Um, but I – I don't want to not be surprised if the Sens win two or the three games. That's fair. That's that's a that's a fair system, and I can actually completely agree with that. I think that I think that last game Toronto kind of underestimated the Senators in the third period, which seems to be what they do a lot. I've seen they beat the snot out of whatever team they're facing for the first two periods, but the last period they always get complacent. Nice, I think. And that's when Ottawa really really picked up the pace and scored four goals. Like what a beautiful. Great, great learning experience. I feel like that's something that the Senators needed um, with all the young guys on their team. Um, and, you know, it's a, a confidence booster for not just Hogberg, um, but everybody else on that team. For Batherson, who is struggling to score, he scored a nice backhander goal. For Tim, I mean, Tim Sucha doesn't lack confidence, so that it's fine with him. But Con- Connor Brown, who couldn't score on the freaking 80 million breakaways if you gave him the chance, probably one goal in 80 million breakaways. But he, he, he was able to score. So it was nice to see some guys get on the score sheet that you normally don't see on the score sheet. Uh, Thomas Shabbat looked like Thomas Shabbat uh, again, which is nice uh, making the creativity in the, in the offensive zone. You know, like I still need him to work on his defense, but that's Thomas Shabbat for you. Um, yeah. Uh, even Gabranson looked, he looked awful in the first period, but he looked good. He, he looked, he, he looked, looked picked up his pace last game. The thing with Gabranson is he, he knows where to be, but he just, slow slow foot speed he can't keep oh, up with the and with that's Toronto's strength is speed and they'll outpace him every single time um so again that's an, that goes back to having Branstrom in the lineup it's going to add some much needed foot speed because Branstrom is really quick um and that's what you need to beat the Leafs you need to have a good counter game and be a physical team which Ottawa has physical components with Kachuk get Branson Austin Watson what a beauty that guy is um etc cetera, etc cetera. so and adding you know too bad Dezingle was in the lineup that would help with the speed but that's how they're going to win tonight is if they, you know, counter, like play a strong defensive game and counter on the chance and they capitalize on the chances they get. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. That being said, let's move on. Senator stocks. We're kind of stealing this from Lalame's Martian. It's okay. I think it's okay. It's Lalame's Lale- Lale- Martian, by the way. Yeah, I know. I just, um, I like butchering it for a joke. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. It's a whole joke. I do. <laughs> Lalame. It's staying. That's what I'm calling it. Lalame. I know it's the oh. I'm French, but I'm saying Lalame. Okay. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And I know I'm gonna get hate for it, but that's what I'm going for. It's on purpose. It's one. It's one. Do you even, do you even remember Lalame as a Senator's goaltender? Oh, I was probably I was way too young for that, but I, I know I watched a bunch of a uh, bunch of highlights. Valid, valid. Uh, what a great goalie when he played in Ottawa. 
Yeah, it was fun to watch. Anyways, continue. Anyways, so we're going to start this week. We start looking at everybody entering the week was zero, like, like new starting. The players that, ensure that, that rose this week for us from zero are Dadanov got two points for me. He gets a boost of two. Zub gets a boost of one because he had one hell of a game. Timmy, I'm going to give him one. Batherson, here, one second here. I'll write it down. Zub plus two, plus one. Uh, Timmy's plus one. Batherson, I'm going to give him a plus one. Connor Brown, I'll give him a plus one. Plus one. I just watched that game. Dadanov scored two beautiful goals. He scored the equalizer and the winner. That's why he gets plus two for me. It's the other nice. guys had a great game. Don't get me wrong, but that game was Dadanov's. It's nice to see Dadanov finally starting to score because this is what the Sanders brought. brought it's, him nice in to do. Dada, it's nice uh, to see Dadanov leave the goals. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he was on a wicked line in Florida with Barkov and Huberto. So it definitely took him some time to get used to it, but we can definitely see why he signed. Um, and the thing I love about Dadanov is I can't even hate Pierre Dorian for that move because Dadanov chose the Ottawa Senators. Out of all the suitors, he chose to come play for Ottawa for that long. He left. Four different teams going for him, I think. Yeah, I think. Oh, I heard there was at least 11, but. Really? Yeah, he chose Ottawa. He left sunny Florida to come to the nation's capital for four years on a rebuilding team. So I can, I have nothing but respect for that guy. Um, and I'm, you know, it, it was such a shock and it was nice to see that a star caliber player like him actually wanted to come play, which bodes well for the future. Cause he's going to be, I guarantee he's going to be used to, he's going to be used to uh, like prove to Kachuk that we're in, in it to build. And yeah, exactly. So, so it was nice to see him finally go on the scoreboard. And I guess for my, for my fancy team as well, he's uh, starting to, starting to heat up. So. I almost traded for him right at the start of the season. Cause I knew uh, I, I feared he was going to bounce back at some point. But Buddy never answered me. I offered him a nice package. He just never answered me. Uh, I messaged him again the other day. He said, you wish. Oh, his loss, I guess. Uh, same, same with me in my fancy. Someone offered me De- Anthony DeClaire for Dadanoff straight up. Um, at that at the time before, Dadanoff, I think, had one, one assist in his whole, the whole season and declared six assists. that assist assists. was a fluke. Yeah, it's and DeClaire had, DeClaire had six assists already. And I was like, oh, man, it was tempting. But I was like, you know what? I believe in Dadanoff. I declined the trade. Literally, like, the next game he scored. And now he every game since then he scored. So I love Dadanoff. Yeah. I love – what even – my favorite thing about Evgeny Dadanoff is not even just Dadanoff. It's his name. My favorite thing about Dadanoff is watching hockey with my roommate who doesn't know anything about hockey, but he's watching because he wants to learn about it, and seeing me – see Dadanov score and screaming daddy. That's my favorite part of it all. I'm still kind of uncomfortable saying that, but I say it anyway. I don't really care. I love it. I love Dadanov. I love daddy. He's a you, you know when the fans are going to give you back in the CTC, you're going to see signs everywhere saying who's your daddy or stuff like that. Like it's going to, it's going to get good. Um, I'm sure Dadanov is going to love it. Bye. Who's your daddy? Evgeny. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, I agree with most of those stocks. Um, uh, I'd probably give it up on everybody. I mean, Stutzla had a, he Stutzla always has a good game. So um, Stutzla's a beauty. Like every like, even if we get blown out, like Stutzla's always the guy that stands out for some and reason. Actually, I'm gonna give Stutzla a plus two because I forgot that he led the entire forward court in ice minutes. Ice yeah, minutes. I was, I was. I was so stoked to see that. It was nice was to see so DJ. Happy. It was so nice to see DJ Smith actually play the young guys um, that much and actually have con- like that shows how much confidence that Stutzla has and that confidence that DJ Smith has in him, um, which is massive because DJ Smith was known that like, he everybody was starting to compare him to Guy Boucher for the longest time there and r- 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 rightfully so. He played he played the veterans a lot, but he's starting to get the rookies going, which is nice to see. He's starting to get Bathurst into my style. Started. I I know that I know there was rumors of, of him scratching Batherson, but um for that one game, but that was weird. But I don't I don't know if they were actually like legitimate. I think it was more just just you know you get Batherson like, like a little kick in the butt, be like let's go uh, type thing. But um it's nice to see him give giving the young guys a chance and kind of laying off on the on, on the on the veterans. It's, I wonder if that's why Pierre Dorian made such a Fouquet move because he kept coming into the roster and he's like, what do you do? But anyways. It's just, it's, just, it's just so much fun to watch. Enough of that. 
Let's talk about our only negative for for Senator Stocks this week. I've got Willannon at, at a minus one. I love Christian Willannon. I love him. I want him to do good. But so far, it just hasn't worked out for him yet. I really, really want him to pick it up. But I'm starting to lose a little bit of hope now. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I've burned for the guy, obviously, after his injury last season. But it just seems like he, he always has the worst luck. Like, he gets in. Like, he started he started the season. He started getting his legs going. He hasn't played hockey for, like, a year. He started getting his legs going. Gets hurt. Then he then he, it just seems like he, he can't – doesn't have time to actually get into a groove. And I think that's really, really affecting him. Um, I do think Christian Rolanen is a solid defenseman. I think he's a good two-way. Um, but I, like I said earlier, I don't think he stayed with the Sens too much longer. Um, I don't think they, they, they trade him. I think they hold on to him. But I do think they end up parting ways in some sort of way, um, especially knowing uh, maybe to give him a fresh start, um, and especially knowing the decor that's coming in. I don't think he has really a spot. But I would love it. I root for the guy. Always root for a guy with an injury like that. But um, he played – he did not play good against Toronto. He was clearly out of the element. It was always – every time he's on the ice, something happened. So, um, yeah, I think – You're worst player. I think it was it was a good idea for DJ to, DJ Smith to scratch him tonight. Um, it's unfortunate, but I know a lot of people are wanting want Branson now instead of him. But I think Will Landon needs some time to you know just I, I think you'll, you'll see Will Landon in tomorrow. I think DJ Smith is just kind of giving him a wake up call, being like, "Listen, like you're not guaranteed a roster spot. You need to play better." Mm-hmm. I love Will Landon. Like I said, I love him. I w- I'm rooting for him. I really am. It's just not working out yet. That's the thing. Where, where does he fit in the long term? That's my question. I think ideally he's a third pair guy, but I think honestly he might get worked out of worked out of that. And I don't want to see that, but it might just happen. I think I think he I think he won't see him on the team past next season. That's a fair assessment. Un- unfortunately, like you'll have you have, you have Zaitsev who has that contract, which is and he, he has a no movement clause, so the only way to get rid of it, like you can't send him down because he's gonna say no. Um you got Shabbat, you got Sanderson, you got Branstrom and Zub. That's four guys right there. Then you have Zaitsev and Goob Branson, uh, GBD, who was coming to knock on the door. You got uh, Lance Thompson, you got Jonathan Aspero. You got like, like this is, you know, like the deep, the deep plugged in. And I don't think, well, like, not, not that Aspero is going to make the team, but I'm just saying there's a lot of competition at camp. Um, and Willanda clearly is falling out of favor with DJ Smith pretty quick. And once you fall out of favor with the coach, it's pretty hard to get back into it. Yeah, exactly. With that being said, let's talk about normally we would not have any inconclusive players, but given this is our first week doing rankings, I'm going to mention Marcus Hogberg. I know that we mentioned that this week we're starting all at zero, but Marcus Hogberg had a very terrible start to the season. So far in the last couple of games, he's played a lot better, getting two back-to-back wins for us in in, uh, Murray's absence, but I'm going to give him a point and deduct him a point, so I'm going to put him at zero. Yeah, I know you and I were kind of going back and forth. I had him in the, in the upper stocks just solely based on that game. Because even though it was 5-1, he did let in five goals. Um, yeah. I don't think all of them were his fault. Um, the, yeah. the, that, that Matthews goal, that the first goal was not his fault. Like, the, like there was five Sanders there that could have stopped the puck, you know what I mean? But he still let in five goals. So it's like, you, you <laughs> exactly. can't put him there. But he did make some very timely saves, which is what the Sens have been missing for the longest great, time. Exactly. He had a great third period. He had a great third period. But you can't allow five goals. I know you're planning it strong, but you just can't allow five goals. And that's why I'm not giving a plus. But giving his third period play, I'm not giving him a negative either. I'm going to keep him at zero. He's an honorable mention for me. And that being said, I'm going to pass the mic to you, and you give us our weekly prospect analysis. But first, let me introduce it. Every week, Alex is going to take a look at a couple prospects, between three to five prospects. This week, we've got three, and he's going to give a little bit little bit of a story or a little bit of a examination to them to to them i'll let him do that exactly but this is alex's segment here so right go right ahead i'll nice. meet myself. uh yeah so i'm gonna do like like i'm, I'm not gonna go too into depth right now um but i just to start off i'm gonna kind of give you know some the weekly uh like like points and stuff like that that the, the three prospects i decide to look at this week um are um, obviously, with my scouting background and whatnot, I, I like looking at prospects. And, you know, the drafts are always my favorite time. So it's nice to see some, you know, just kind of dive in a little bit more and kind of see um, how the prospects are going and how, you know, as we look back on them, where they were, where they were. So the three prospects I chose this week are, um, I'll start off with Ridley Gregg. 
Um, he was Ottawa's uh, Ottawa had three first round picks in the first round um, last year, um, and he was uh, he was their well I guess they had two I believe, um, but uh, did they have two? No, they, 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 that, that's my bad. They had three. They had obviously I forgot Sanderson was the first round pick, but they had uh, he was really great with their third pick, um, and a lot of people questioned whether he should he should have went there or not. Um, I kind of didn't know much too much about him at the time. Um, and the, the, the thing with the sense scouting staff is people all need to understand. Um, I never doubt the sense scouting staff because if there's one thing they're good at, it's drafting. The trades and keeping players is a different story. But um, drafting has always been their forte. And obviously, they know what they want to build. Um, Ridley Greg, to me, he's not going to be a exciting offensive playmaker that's going to get you know 80, 90 points a season. He'll probably be around... I don't know, 40 to 45 points, maybe 40 to 50 points in a season. But the thing with Ridley Gregg is he is someone you want when you're going for playoffs. Um, he ha- he's, he's, he's playing a double right now because the WHL season has not started, but he will go back to the WHL when the season, when the, their season starts. Um, he's played three games with them. Um, he, and ev- all three games, he's looked very, he's looked very good, but he got his first two points last night. Um, he got, so he has three games played to assist with Belleville right now. Um, and the thing I really like about Ridley Gregg is he just never stops skating. He reminds me of uh, um, Vitaly Ibramov, except uh, probably more physically mature and a bit more smart with the puck. Um, Ridley Gregg is someone you want on your team in a playoff run. Um, like I said, he's not going to be a top six forward. He'll probably be a bo- he'll probably be a bottom nine forward, but an energy bottom nine forward. He'll be a guy to go out there and um, you know, play physical against other teams' first lines, wear them down in a playoffs in a seven-game playoff series. And he does have an offensive upside that he can produce points, not a lot, but he can still produce a lot. So Ridley Gregg, uh, I think maybe he wasn't exactly the most, the best pick at the at the at uh, I think it was twenty-eight um, or twenty-six, I think. Um, and obviously, you know, there's other players out there like JJ Paterka and whatnot who people think the Sens should have got. Um, but Ridley Gregg, obviously, the Sanders are trying to build an identity. That's a t- tough team to build against. Pesky Sens. Um, and Ridley Gregg fits that mold perfectly. Um, and I think he will be a Senator for quite a long time. He reminds me of a Chris Neal with more skill um, than Chris Neal. So I am super excited to see where Ridley Gregg uh, ends up and uh, what his future holds. Um, I think he'll be, I think you'll see him in the NHL probably, I think he's probably two years away. Um, I think he has one more, like, play in the AHL this season. WHL next season is over eight season. Then jump, make, make the jump. Um, but anyways, next next prospect I'll talk about is another one of Ottawa's first-round picks. Um, and this one's been kind of uh, – in my head, he's been kind of one that I've been curious to see. Um, but it's Lassie Thompson. Um, not much to say about Lassie Thompson. I am not a big fan of his, to be honest. I do think – I don't think he, uh, Jacob mentioned that all the prospects from the Sanders defensive core will uh, make the team next year. I, or make the, be in the future. I think Thompson's one of those guys. Um, I do like what he brings. He, he's strong to a strong to a defenseman that can play both defense and contribute offensively. Um, he's pretty big. Um, and I mean, he, he has two assists in three games with Belleville this year. That's probably where he's going to play the most of the season. Um, he came overseas after playing last year. Um, I don't really have much more to say on Thompson besides that he's a strong two-way defend, defenseman that I think might get a look at the NHL, but I don't know if it will be with Ottawa just because the, they have much better defensive prospects in the pipeline. But Lassie Thompson is a first-round pick, um, and he was he, he, he's, he has played some big parts in the Finland World Junior roles. Um, so it's nice to see him get, get some top minutes there. But He's an intriguing prospect, and I think we'll, we'll have to wait more and see where he, how his game translates to the North American game before we actually judge um, judge him. He could come out of nowhere. And, um, you know, it takes some players take longer to develop, but Lockheed Thompson, I think, will be one of those guys. He has very raw skill. I think he's very um, smart with the puck, and he's he knows the game very well, but he doesn't do anything excessively uh, excessively well. Um, so that's my report on Lockheed Thompson. I do like him, but I just don't think with the sense – defensive prospects that he's going to be able to be a son in the future. Um, and the last one I want to look at is everyone's favorite North Dakota, North Dakota player, um, Shane Pinto. Um, he was a Senator's second round pick, I believe last year. Um, I remember exactly where I was when the Sens picked him. I was on the golf course um, working 
uh, for the Frontenac. They had a golf, uh, a golf tournament going on and I was the guy that was helping run it. Um, and I remember uh, after day one of the draft, I was like, well, Kaliev is still on the board. I was like, Ottawa needs to get Arthur Kaliev. Um, clearly they did not because they went to Shane Pinto. And I will be honest, I actually had no idea who the heck that guy was. Um, I'm sure a lot of sense fans did. But we know who he is now. Um, he, he, he's played, he plays for, the, I think it's the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, I think is what they're called, um, in the University of North Dakota, which seems to be the sense farm, farm system. Um, he, he's played 20 games this season. He has 14 goals, 12 assists, and 26 points uh, in the NCAA Division I, uh, which is actually super fantastic. But the stat that really stands out to me, and I, I went to do some digging, is um, – I, I did this tweet from Brad Elliott Schlossman at Schlossman GF on Twitter says Shane Pinto continues making a case for the NCHC player of the year. He leads the league in goals with 13 uh, points, 25 power play goal, six, 12 power play points, 265 faceoff wins with a faceoff percentage of 63.1%. He is a faceoff master, which is, I, I would not be surprised if you see Shane Pinto um, make the jump to the Senators next year. Um, I think he is something that Ottawa needs. I think he will help their power play immensely um, just by winning the faceoffs and helping set up. Um, I am now a huge Shane Pinto fan. I do think he will be. I don't think he'll be like a superstar. I don't think you'll see him be a superstar, but he will be a very, very, very good NHL player that will that will help out a lot. Um, so keep an eye on those three prospects. Obviously, I'll be back next week with some more. I'm trying to keep prospects that are playing in North America right now because it's really hard to watch the ones that are not in North America. Um, and obviously, um, with COVID going on, it's a little hard, a lot bit, a bit harder to watch um, a lot of other prospects. But those are the three that I've highlighted this week. And uh, out of the, those three, I think two out of those three will be uh, part of the Senators' future, which is Shane Pinto and Ridley Gregg. Um, again, Thompson, I I'm not fantastically high on. I I like him, but I don't know. I just don't know if he'll make the jump. Well said, well said. And that's our weekly uh, uh, prospect review with, uh, with uh, Alex Longwell. But my question is, who do you prefer, Shane Pinto or Josh Norris? And why? That's a tough one. Um, I, think Josh, I think Shane Pinto is a more complete player. Um, I do like Josh Norris. I think Josh Norris has a, a super offensive instinct. Um, but I also think Josh Norris needs to put on some weight. I think he's, he gets bounced around a, a, a little bit too much. Um, and I think he lacks the defensive side of the game a little bit. Um, I think Shane Pinto is the more complete forward and a more two-way center. Um, I think Shane, Shane Pinto will be more, I can't say more important because I think Josh Norris will be just as important to the team. But I do, I, I personally like Shane Pinto more just because I'm more biased towards two-way forwards because I was a two-way forward in my hockey days. Um, and I think Josh Norris is more offensively gifted than Shane Pinto, but Shane Pinto can win face-offs. He obviously, you know, can score goals in the power play, but um, I think that face-off ability is huge. That's fair. Yeah, it's a great assessment there. Uh, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it comes to, for our future of the team, I think it's going to be Brigachuk, Stutzla, and Bathurst first line, second line, X player, X player, and X player, I guess. I'm not too sure. I don't even know. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's going to be uh, Formentin, X player, and Abramov. That's what I'm going to say for top two lines. That X center is going to be either Josh Norris or Shane Pinto. They're both too good to be on the third line. And they're not good enough to be better than Timmy as a first-line center. So a first-line is a lock for me for the future. But for that second line, I think it's one of the two between Shane Pinto and Josh Norris. Who yet? I'm not quite sure. I like them both pretty much equally. I love what Norris has done in the NHL. But Norris seems – I don't think he's much of a play carrier. I think he's more of a complementary style player. And as a center, you want more of a guy who can carry the offense for the line. And that's why I'm leaning more towards Shane Pinto, who, in my opinion, has been the greatest player in college hockey this year. 
yeah, I mean, it's tough to say with not including this draft and next year's draft, who's going to be where, because, you know, Matt, Matt Bernier's as a top forward. Um, you got Shane Wright in 2022, caught his fingers. Um, it, it's tough to say, but yeah, I agree. I, Josh Norris is definitely more of a complimentary player. And I honestly would think, I would honestly would try and put Josh Norris on the wing um, and see, see well, how that play, actually see how that plays out. Um, maybe have, you know, um, it has Josh Norris on, on Shane Pinto's wing, see how that goes. Um, maybe, but I think Josh Norris isn't ready to be a full NHL center yet. I think if he's going to be a center, he needs to go, he needs to play some more me- meaningful minutes. Um, I do like him a lot, but I think he's still, he's, he only has one year pro under his belt. So I still, I still think he has a lot of work to do. Um, and I do want to see him on the wing, see how that works out. That's a really fair assessment. And uh, I didn't even consider a Josh Norris as a, a winger. I love Norris. Don't get me wrong. It's not a knock against him, but I think, that Pinto was that second line center of the future. And for me, that just gave a little bit of what to do with Norris. But at that second line, that's very interesting. Um, you could have the second line be uh, Formentin, Pinto, and Norris. That'd be a great line. But that also your, you raised, also have Yarventi on there too. Yeah, that raised the question, what do you do with Yarventi? What do you do with, uh, with uh, uh, Logan Brown? What do you do with Colin White? It raised so many question marks. It's almost like we have too many prospects. That's not necessarily a problem, but the problem that does cause is how do you pick and choose between each prospect? It's not a problem yet, but it will be. It's definitely going to be a problem. Right now, not so much, but I could I could see it be a problem as soon as next year. Yep, I, I think next year we'll, we'll start because seeing remember, some players get win. We have Colin Wright for three more years after this at almost five at five and a half million dollars. Is it four and a half or five and a half? I think it's four and a half. Four and a half million dollars for the next three years after this. Which I mean, if you would have asked me nine games ago, I would have said that's an awful contract. But Colin yeah, White has Colin White has arguably been the best player in the last five games. I love Colin White. I, I love Colin White. He's probably one of our best forwards right now. But this thing is with so many prospects we have, where does he fit in our team long term? Probably the third line center. Do you want your third line center? Not not because he's bad, but simply because of guys being ahead of him, like um, lo, uh, like Shane Pinto and Josh Norris. That pushes Logan and Colin White down to the third line. Do you want a third line player making four and a half million dollars? I'm not quite sure. But if I go back to the cap situation, it's not a problem right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to talk too much about that one, but I would. I think Colin White would also benefit of playing on playing more on the wing. Um, that's fair, yeah, but but same. That's that's still raised the problem. I Who does he play on the wing with? Like at this rate, at this rate, I'd put him on the second line. I keep Formington on the third. Formington, yeah, that's interesting it, because Formington to me has the speed, but he does not have like the the skill and whatnot to keep up with the top six forwards. But he will add some much needed speed to that bottom bottom pairing that's down there. That's interesting. That's actually that's that's interesting. Where Colin White actually has some skill, as we've seen, that he could probably keep up with the top with the oh, top guys. Mm-hmm. But Formington's speed is his his weapon, and I think it will benefit him more in the bottom pairings than it will in the top pairings. That's that's a nice uh, that's a nice uh, thing there. With that being said, let's get to the last segment of the day, our weekly player review for this first edition of our player review. We will be going with the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Paul. Let's go. That was a lot of hype. I don't know why, but I went with it, and I'm rolling with it. So Nick Paul right now is phenomenal for the Senators. He's definitely been one of our best forwards. Not necessarily as a high ceiling, a high uh High expectation given that we've got guys like Anisimov and Stefan still playing. No hate to those guys, but just we have players like that. Nick Paul has been great for Otto so far. He's a great, great player. Right now, he's one of our top six forwards, and I've got no problem with it. What is he tomorrow? By tomorrow, I mean next week, next season, next month, for the rest of the season. Can he keep up this pace that he's on right now? I really hope he does because he's one of our best players. What is he long-term? Do you think you could see Nick Paul play out the rest of his career as an Ottawa Senator? Or do you think he gets moved on? I'm not quite sure. What do you think, Alex? 
Uh, well, I'll go with the, where, where he is right now. Um, I'll start, I'll do my little take there and then I'll we'll go ahead. Long term. But um, yeah, I was where he is right now. He has, I think he is one of our top forwards. Um, I think he's benefiting a lot from playing in the, the Canadian division. Um, I do like Nick Paul a lot, but I think his foot speed is going to be an issue um, later on in, in his career. Um, his big body really helps, and he, I, he's finally learned how to use it, which is what my biggest knock on him has been, is he is a big body that did not know how to use his big body, but he's finally figured it out. So um, I'm glad he's, he's done that. Um, as of where I see him tomorrow or like next week or next year, whatever whatever the segment is, <laughs> that is um, – Tough to say. I think I, I still think he's gonna be a top 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 player for DJ Smith. I think he's a DJ Smith kind of guy. Um, I think DJ Smith really likes the way Nick Paul plays, physical, can contribute offensively, etc. Where he is long term, um, tough to say. Tough to say. Um, with all the prospects coming up in the pipeline, I do think Nick Paul. I think there is a spot for Nick Paul on this team. Um, I think. He's the type of guy you want in the playoff run. He reminds like he's someone. Like, every, I feel like every team needs a power forward. Maybe their foot speed's not the greatest, but you always see the power forwards somehow excel in the playoffs. They always drive to the net, play a physical style game, which is what playoff hockey is all about. And I think Nick Paul is someone that will benefit from that. Um, yeah, like like you just said, he's a Swiss Army knife. Um, he can do everything right now. Um, he can play physical. He can score a lot of goals. Um, I don't think – do I think he'll be a 20-goal scorer in the future? No. I think he'll be more like, I don't know, 10, 10 to 13 maybe. Um, but I do think he – when Ottawa's ready to compete, I think he'll be an important part of that team. The thing with Nick Ballers, as you said, he's a Swiss Army knife. So far, anything you ask him to do this year, he's done remarkably. Who he reminds me of is Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. Under DJ Smith – Jean-Gabriel Peugeot had a career year last year. As a playmaking first-line center, he had a great, great year, and we sold high on him. Under Guy Boucher, he was a third-line pest who made your night living hell. He is impossible to play with. He's only, what, five, seven, five, nine, something like that. Really small forward, but he plays like he's a friggin' brick wall, man. You can't get past him. Anything you ask him to do, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot does. As much as I miss him in the Senators' lineup today, I think Nick Paul is the next best thing. Nick Paul, he can skate, he can shoot, he can pass, he can lay the body, he does anything you need him to. Ideally, for me, I see Nick Paul as a third-line checking forward type of guy. But again, like I say it quite often, he moves up and down the lineup as you need him to flawlessly and does a remarkable job. I am a big fan of Nick Paul. I love him a lot. He is definitely one of the, one of the best players in this team right now. How long can he sustain this? I hope he can keep it up for the rest of his career. A great guy. I want nothing best, nothing but the best for him, and I hope he keeps doing what he's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much more to say um, about Nick Paul. Uh, I'm just imagining him on the wing with Ridley Gregg. Um, what an Woo! what an energy team that would be. Like that 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 that'd be a team tonight. Sure. You have Ridley Gregg, uh, Nick Paul, and even you know maybe add like Formington with his Formington speed. You have Nick yeah. Paul. We could use his body to create the. Imagine that line. Yeah. Like that would be something that I would like to see in the futures. Um, I, I, I'm, I, again, I'm a big fan of Ridley Gregg. So I think, I, I, and he, Nick Paul reminds me of Ridley Gregg with a bit more skill. Um, just Nick Paul uses his body well. And um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of a power forward that he kind of reminds me of. Um, Nick Paul really reminds me of John Gabriel Peugeot, but with more, more flawless attitude. Yeah. I, I'm gonna say a bit of a Chris Kelly kind of guy. Yeah, I, I would say more of like a Mike, a Mike Fisher, but Mike, um, that's not a great comparison. That's a great uh, comparison there. He's one of my favorite players of all time, so I'm Same. glad I I've got a Mike Fisher jersey in my room. <laughs> Same. 
Um, but yeah, he, 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 like he said, he can go up and down the lineup. Mike Fisher could play in the top six. Mike Fisher could hit. Mike Fisher could fight. Mike Fisher could win face-offs. Um, Mike, Fisher was an, uh, 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 Mike Fisher was the original Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. 100%. Uh, so um, I think Nick Paul is similar to that. Um, the only thing with Nick Paul is that his foot speed is probably isn't as good as those two guys, but that's because he's, he's a bit bigger and a bit more taller than them. But he knows he, he's finally learned how to use his body, which, like I said, something that he, he needs to learn to use. And I have the same criticism with Logan Brown. You need to learn if you're that tall and naturally gifted with that height, you need to learn how to use that body to box people out. That's, that's what, like, uh, it's not for many people can say they have that kind of body to play in, in sports. Um, and sure your skating may suffer, but you got to learn to compensate for that and use your body to create open ice for yourself because your, your, your feet won't keep up because you're tall and lanky. And that's what happens when you're that, but um, being able to use that body to create opportunities, not just for yourself to get into the open ice, but also to help create offensive chances for your teammates is what you need to do. And Nick Paul has learned how to do it and clearly it's paying off. So exactly. With that being said, I think that's where we end off today. And off on a high note, praising Nick Paul, the goat, Nick Paul, praising Nick Paul. That's where we're going off today. That's all for this week. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob LaRevere. Find Alex at AlexLongwa15. Find us at SunSens. Can't wait to see you next week, Sens fans. Go, Sens, go. Let's go watch the Sens kick the Leafs' ass. Oh, thanks. It's been a great episode. Go, Sens, go. Matt, Matt Murray is starting, by the way.